Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now... Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Back with my buddy, my pal, Chris Trevino, talking USC Trojan football. We're going to talk about some college playoff expansion Efforts that have failed, uh, but mostly this is going to be a mailbag episode. We got a bunch of emails that have come in. Uh, Chris put out a tweet asking for questions, and we got a lot. So we're going to a lot of stuff to get to uh, today on the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Chris and I will be doing a show regularly together. So you can say, hey, this is for the Chris and Ryan show or whatever you want to call it. Let us know what it's for, and we will try to get to it on this show when Chris and I are both on there. If you have any um, ideas about sending in a text message, you want to do that instead of an email, you want to call in and hear your voice on the podcast, you can do that at the same number, 424-254-9141 is the number. If you do leave a voicemail, please try to keep it brief, and we'd love to play it for you on the air. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, you can follow and leave us a five-star rating and review uh, in the comments there. We'd appreciate that. And if you're on Spotify, listening that way. You can now leave us a five-star rating there as well. So please do that. It doesn't take much time and it definitely helps us to grow the show. And it's going to help to grow the show with getting guys like Chris Trevino on here and his humor and his knowledge of USC football. We're welcoming him back again. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I mean, trying to make it two good performances in a row, you know, trying to stack those wins. The first reviews came out of our first podcast. Someone said we were a latte without milk or foam. I don't really know what that means. I don't drink <laughs> coffee, so I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to process that. So that sounds like right in the middle, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink coffee either. So, like, I'm not sure is a latte without foam good or bad. I, I don't know. So maybe they knew we didn't drink coffee, so they, they could tell we wouldn't. It might be an insult. It might be a compliment. I'm not sure. I think it's going to be right in the middle, okay, which is my <laughs> sweet spot. Just right in the middle. Not too yeah. offensive but not so good. I don't know. I lost it there, but you understand. It could be, yeah, it could be something like that. It's funny. So last week I billed the show as our first podcast together. And you oh. pointed out that it was not. I don't like where this is going. I have no idea where this is going, but I already don't like where it's going. I went back and listened to the show oh. that we did. Yeah. Yes. We did a show together. It's like an hour. Also like today. An hour. You know, we got through, you got through an hour of that. Oh my goodness. You talked last week like you didn't say three words. You were fine. Um, this was back on September 28th uh, of 2017. And it was fun just to go back. And we've done a lot of shows. We have like almost 1,500 podcasts up on the thing. 
but you know, every week there's different things to talk about. Sometimes there's three or four shows in a week. Um, so family feud was actually going on at the same time. Uh, and so this was before you were on there before they let you on and then they kicked you off or whatever that was going on there. But you came on and this was before uscfootball.com actually merged with, um, fight on two, four, seven. That was like a guess. Yeah. So we were like talking about like, it looks like this is happening in the beginning of the show, but it hasn't happened yet, which I'm sure it happened soon afterwards. But while we were part of scout, if people don't know, uscfootball.com was part of scout. Chris was running fight on two, four, seven here at 24, seven sports, two, four, seven bought scout. And so we're going to merge the sites together. And I think it happened soon after this. So Chris and I have been on the same team ever since, but we thought we'd do like a little mailbag episode. And, uh, yeah, there was like, you said that you were rusty and you said you hadn't done a show in like three years, but I, you sound fine to me. If you remember like the Tony bland hoop scandal was going on at the time. Yeah. Get this USC was four and oh, uh, in 2017, they had 13 game winning streak. Can you, but like they just beat Western Michigan and that was the Jake Olson game, uh, Stanford, Texas, I was with the, uh, what's his name? Who's the celebrity from Texas? I'm, I'm blanking on his name. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, McConaughey. McConaughey. Like, Keely got a picture of me and McConaughey, like, standing next to each other. Like, when Tyler Vaughn's made that crazy catch with me and him looking at each other, like, what was going on? You could uh, be McConaughey's cousin. I just want to, like, a, you're like oh. a Californian. Yeah, you're like, you guys grew up together, but you moved to California. He stayed in Texas. <laughs> you, you have that sort of similar essence of McConaughey. Oh. I don't know if that's good or not. Is that a latte? No, that's great. Kind of that's great. Okay. No, that's great. Uh, he's way cooler than me. And then uh, they beat Cal. So this was like sort of a pre-Washington State game. Um, but people were, me listen to it, Chris. People were like the exact same as before. Like it didn't matter that USC was on a 13-game winning streak. Like Joe wrote in and he said, Helton's terrible. Fire him. He can't leave this team. This right. is a team that's on a 13-game winning streak. Um, a lot of fans still didn't want him to be the coach. Can you just accept that you're winning? Uh, you know, there's other people who are like, hey, just accept that your team's winning. Um, you know, they were worried about being ranked number five. They were number five in the country after four games. Thinking like it should have been higher. The problem was USC was one and three against the spread. Um, and there was other fans that were really trying to just get the the more pessimistic fans to get some joy out of the season. Which I get, like you've won 13 games in a row, you want to have some joy. But it was so funny to listen to it, like the same kind of stuff we've heard the last few years was going on then, and that's when USC was actually number five in the country and coming off a Rose Bowl win and won 13 in a row. Yes, but we all know it sort of felt and looked like fool's gold. You know, it was like this nice car, but you knew like the engine underneath was just miles away from just blowing up. The the tires were. The engine lights were all on. Everyone just knew like something bad was going to go happen and it wasn't actually going to make it the distance. It wasn't actually, you know, as as nice as it looked uh, on the outside. 13 game winning streak. Yeah, all that stuff. But I, I distinctly remember that feeling with with the fans and all that. I, but I don't want to I don't want to live those old days, you know, no, it's we're in a it's new like, era. But we were trying to be like, hey, you know, some of those optimistic fans are right. Like you should enjoy the 13 game win streak. Yes, it doesn't sure. look, yeah. you know. Uh, unfortunately the very next, you know, a few days later, they lost to Washington state, uh, got upset by Washington state. So that sort of was like, then everyone's coming back. I'm sure the show after that was like, see, I told you and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I was interesting. I wanted to listen and you were not bad at all, Chris. You, 
look, I, it was, it's probably as uh, a motto I like to live by is like, it's not as bad as it seems and it's not as good as it seems. Um, yeah. uh, and it probably wasn't as bad as I remember it, but I do remember being super nervous and being super, uh, anxious in that moment. Um, because early on there was a running joke with me and Keely and shotgun that you gave me the most anxiety on these live shows because <laughs> you have this energy that I cannot, I still have a master how to, how to, how to combat it in battle like on, on ton of us, you just come at me. You come right at me. You don't you don't let me warm up. You just come right at me. So I, I'm I'm learning to harness that a little bit better. But that's kind of how it felt in that moment. And I do remember one moment where you asked me something, and I gave you like maybe like a four word answer. And I remember I remember the uh, I remember like the sort of surprise in your voice. You didn't expect me to only say four words to this to this question. And it kind of took you by surprise. And there was this like pause of of like awkwardness. And I was like, he 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 should have known what he was gotten into, what he was getting into. He 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 deserved that. That was on him. So yeah, yeah you ran the wrong I ran the you ran the wrong coverage on that. That's on you. You ran the okay. wrong play. So I hope I hope you uh I hope you can live with that. No, oh, yeah, man. But I think what you know, the longer we go and do the show together, I think it'll be easier. I don't want to be intimidating for anybody, uh, Chris. I think, you know, Keely just got over my teasing her all the time and just was just like, okay, whatever. She just started ignoring it after a while. Um, but yeah, but anyway, if you want to go back and listen to it, that's like from, you know, September no, 28th, do 2017. Do don't do it. You can hear what Chris well, was doing. Cut, cut that part. Just cut it's that still part. on our feet. Uh, so I wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, before we jump into anything else. We do want to talk about the, uh, failed attempt to expand the college football playoffs and what it means for the Pac-12 and USC. But um, head over to Trader Joe's. So I do you like craft beers much, Chris? Or you're, do you like that kind of stuff or not really? I'm a, I'm a very uh, basic alcohol drinker. I'm a very super lightweight, by the way. So like one beer is like, I'll, I'll get the party started off one beer alone. So I don't like IPAs. That's all I know. I That's all that I know that I don't like. Okay. So if you stay away from those. I think we're good. I can pretty much handle anything beer wise outside of an IPA. So yes, I will say that I can handle a craft beer and I do like some craft beer. They they have a lot. They have a great selection. Um, bunch of six packs at Trader Joe's and I'm a big like red guy. I went to Ireland before and I like red beers and it's hard to find them sometimes. Some bars don't have them. Uh, but Trader Joe's does have their own uh, brand. It's a drive through red. It's got a cool picture of a VW bus on there. But yeah. And, um, so I, and I like it a lot. So there's like, a kind of like the ambers and the reds. I tend to like more. And, um, there's like a caramely kind of, there's like a little bit of sweetness and stuff to them. And this is a really nice one. I actually read some of the beer reviews about it and it's like $7 for a six pack, which is just nothing, you know, and just to have like a red beer in your fridge, is something I, you know, just don't have all that often. So it was cool. I picked up a couple six packs of this. Uh, my last time over to Trader Joe's and it's, uh, it's all in the same aisle. Like looking at some of the different wines, I pick up a, a Pinot Noir that I'd like to try. And it's so, it's just, it's so reasonably priced. It's great. But there's, if you do like craft beers, there's a whole section uh, in the Trader Joe's. But if you like reds, the red, I like that one. As a Maryland yeah. Terp, I feel like I have to like the reds. So yeah, <laughs> there's red. Yeah. There's reds over there. Uh, the, the red, uh, the red, 
coloring for the the terps is what's the official is it just red or is it like a kind of red it's it's red black and gold those are like sort of this the state flag but primarily red gotcha okay um all right well we got a bunch of stuff to get to i didn't even think about talking about hoops but like usc's won what three or four in a row looking good for a they're getting back a little bit yeah i mean had struggled uh, this last one but they pulled it out you know big boogie coming through who's who's been slumping a little bit so it's nice to get a confidence boost uh with the with the game winner i don't think i've ever hit a game winner in my life um yeah like a game like a like a competitive like basketball yeah i don't think so maybe um, like pick up or something but nothing nothing like, like that i think in like volleyball games i've hit like the winning like the got the winning kill or something at the end of the game but that would be it's not that's not quite the same as like a game winning shot like the boogie ellis thing was that was pretty cool um but right now usc's second in the pac 12 and still you know rough there's still some good games ahead some quad one games ahead but uh looking pretty good for a first round buy in the pac 12 tournament so that would be nice i will be there and shotgun will be there going out for the pac 12 tournament so that should be a lot of fun the reunion yeah little reunion he's going to come you know he wants to come on the west coast for Pac-12 basketball. Well, he's going to do some baseball and stuff, too. He does all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, is there other stuff you want to talk about before we jump uh, into things? Yeah, before we get into our loaded mailbag and then the Pac-12 expansion stuff, I wanted, I ha- I've been having this philosophical debate in my mind about our, our, our work and our responsibilities on USC during the season. And I, this is—I haven't brought this up to you, Ryan. This is the first time I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up on air, so this is like me actually telling you that I think I want to be on the field next season. Oh, so I've been—I've been a house cat my entire two four seven career. You've been up in the press box. I've been up in the press box, usually chilling with you. Yeah, chilling with Dan when it was. Now it's you, me, and RJ. Um, but you know. The staff has changed. There's positions to be filled in the front line. So I was thinking maybe that's where I belong now. Yeah. What would, uh, what would you prefer to do on the field? Are you like, you want to shoot some video? Do you want to do like still photos, social media stuff, you know, get the TikTok things going. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, outside of, I can do it all. I have photography experience. This is me. Like we're in a job interview right now. I, I definitely have some stuff I want to do for the talk, for social media. And I just think, I don't know how much access we're going to have in season, you know, with practices and stuff. So I think being on the field and being around the team up close like that is going to be the best chance to, like, get those little details and stuff like that. Those are sort of the things I like doing, getting the small details, like with ghost notes and stuff. And I think I can do some some stuff post game with stuff I see on the field. Um have some ideas with that, but yeah, I can shoot video. I know Keeley was the the video person, uh, extraordinaire. Um, I, I've shot video in the past, so I can do that too. So I just want to do. There's just like lots of things you can do down there. So I, I yeah. just think that uh, I think that's an uh, an opportunity. I think I can uh, I can harness for us. I used to shoot video too down there uh, back in the day. And oh, I used uh, to be an outdoor cat. Used to be an outdoor. I was cat. an outdoor cat too. Yeah, and okay. uh, you miss it sometimes, you know, like every once in a while, like, oh, maybe I'll do that. 
Um, but no, I think that's great. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. And, uh, we don't know, we still don't know people like uh, there are probably some questions about, uh, but yeah, we don't know what the access is going to be like, um, for spring, for the whole off season, for the, the games themselves. We, we don't know. So that potentially everything could change, but as long as we get credentials to be on the field, Chris, you know, you, you do plenty of every, everything else you do around the site. Uh, be happy to have you down there if that's where you want to be. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. So we'll do that. Um, let's see. The other topic, just the playoff expansion. If you didn't see that, uh, it's now going to run through uh, 2020, the 2025, 2025 season because they already had an existing TV contract with ESPN. Uh, they needed a unanimous vote from the five leagues plus uh, Notre Dame. And uh, it was end up being eight to three with uh, the ACC voting no, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 joining with their little alliance deal. Um, even though George Klyovkov came out like, you know, the day before and said they would, ex- they would, uh, um, welcome any sort of, uh, expansion, any of the proposed, um, expansion ideas, the PAC 12 was going to be behind it, but he ends up voting, uh, in the sort of like block of votes with, uh, the Alliance. Uh, and I think it really stemmed from the ACC. I think, you know, the big 10 and the PAC, the PAC 12, do want to have some um, considerations for the Rose Bowl and George Klyovkov kind of uh, laid that out when he went on Paul, Paul Feinbaum a few days ago talking about, hey, it's three it's three hours every three years. We should give the Rose Bowl this. Um, I don't think, and I, Wilner, John Wilner's wrote about this, you know, with mm-hmm. San Jose Mercury. He was like, I don't think the Rose Bowl is going to stop this, but he was concerned about not knowing the financials of it. How is it going to be split? Because now you're going to be expanded and you know, right now it's split between the power five conferences evenly. I think every conference was getting like $65 million. There wasn't any plan for how this was going to be split up. Is it going to be like, Oh, you get a, a unit for every team you have in. Cause then the pack mm-hmm. is not going to be like, no, we don't want that. And the SEC <laughs> would be like, yes, we are. So there were some things he didn't know. Um, it's uh it's weird. And I don't know about if this Alliance is going to be, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last. There's nothing really written about it. Um, the Big Ten can survive on their own. The ACC really wants to try to suck in Notre Dame, so they'd rather not expand because if they do expand, then Notre Dame doesn't need the ACC. Um, so there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but the the long and the short of it is they couldn't come to an agreement. So now you're saying, all right, well, after the 2025 season, we'll have a new form. We'll have something new, and you can build it from scratch. But any any thoughts on all that? I just spewed out of <laughs> my pie hole there chris yeah you just kind of threw it all out there on the table but it it just makes sense like you mentioned the rose bowl being a, a possibility for something to hold up but as wilner noted it, it the the rose bowl wouldn't be the the sole thing that holds up because that'd be pretty embarrassing if that was the the thing that sort of was the whoa, whoa, whoa we're not gonna move forward because of this so it usually will probably everything comes down to money you know it's a lot of money on the line so this is probably just the pac-12 wanting to to figure out, get all their ducks in a row financially, and be like, "Hey, we need to know this." I'm, I don't, I'm not, not going to sign a contract without knowing all the financials and such. And it was, and it just made it seem more interesting, just because the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big Ten did not come out with statements before this came out, and the Pac-12 was the only one that did, saying they were in support. So it it looked a little 
little weird and a little mysterious. And and I think because of that, it's gotten a lot more attention. But also, if it had been like a, if Larry Scott had still been the commissioner, this would be being this would probably be clowned on a lot more than it is. And now it just seems more like like uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. I'm going to butcher it. Clearclaw. Nope. Klyavkov, yeah. Klyavkov. It's just taking is is it just seems like he's he's in a little bit more control, knows a little bit more what he's doing, even though the the two statements are kind of contradictory in terms of what they voted for and then what they said they were in favor of. So but if it had been Larry Scott, this would have been looked like more of a clown show. <laughs> no, I think you're right. As yeah. as someone who's, you know, we've been in the Pac twelve for a while now and seeing all the all the things the former leader that is Larry Scott used to do. So it, it was interesting just having these these two contradictory things, but you know, I I don't think it's a sign of everything's gone it is going terribly wrong with uh, this new commissioner. I just think it's just them wanting to make sure they get the best deal for the conference. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Pac twelve needs the expansion, even though, you know, even my co host on the podcast of champions doesn't think that and some of the Pac-12 fans don't think that they need expansion, but the commissioner does. I do. I think most people in their right mind know that the Pac-12 needs it. Maybe not as much for USC. No, mm-hmm. I don't know, Chris, have you kept track of how many uh, college football playoffs USC has made since the it's, its inception? What is it? Six, seven years ago? Um, just looking at my notes right now, it <laughs> says zero. I Zero. don't know if that's accurate, but we'll have someone check that for the end of the show. But I believe it is zero. Yeah, we got to check the math. But zero is the number I came up with, too. Um, so with the hiring of Lincoln Riley, that changes the game. USC will be recruiting at a high level again. Um, USC will uh, you know, potentially be in the mix for making college football playoffs just by winning the conference. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen this team get talked about as a potential playoff contender when they've had two or three losses before, you know, that yeah. To you know, to, just like, oh, hey, if you played them right now, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. USC just will. Be, just because it's USC. Yeah. And so if you get to the point where you can go 11 and one and win the Pac-12, which it seems like that's something that should be in Lincoln Riley's wheelhouse, just like he made it when he was at Oklahoma, you could see USC back in there. And the, the four-team format probably doesn't hurt USC as much, where maybe it hurts Oregon more or Washington or UCLA or whatever. Um, so I don't know if this is that big of a deal for USC, but we know the conference commissioner, you know, George Klyovkov wants to get this expansion, but it just looks like it's going to take a while. And unfortunately, the Big Ten still got another TV contract to redo, like, before the Pac-12 does so. They're going to get like that billion dollar contract coming up and just, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. But for USC, maybe it's not gonna be as big of a deal. As long as USC takes care of their own business, I don't think they would be excluded from playoffs. Like maybe, uh, you know, a Utah would or something. If they were, you know, 11 one Utah, you could see, ah, oh, you know, we want to, we're definitely put in that 11 and one Alabama team over that. Yeah. I'm not saying that would happen, wouldn't happen to USC, but I think you have a better chance if you're USC. And just like not as like someone who covers like, you know, a Pac-12 team, just like as a college football fan, I would like to see expansion personally. It's more fun when you have a little bit more teams. 
I'm not talking like 20 teams. I'm talking like six, eight. I think I think there are more teams that are deserving to have a shot. You know, I'm tired of seeing the same SEC teams uh, play each other every year yeah. in the playoff. So I know, I'm not saying that, you know, like a Utah getting in this year, if there was like eight teams this year or last year, that they would have, you know, made it to the national championship team. But they were playing really, really well. And it, it would have been interesting to see how they, uh, they you know, fared against, you know, you know, a Georgia or an Alabama or someone like that. Yeah, that would have been interesting. The crappy part is that the the semifinals were just terrible. Um, yeah. You know, they were blowouts, and then you're like, oh, these two teams. What do you want to have more of those? But I do feel like you would get some more competitive games, and maybe, you know, where Cincinnati was undefeated and all that, but if they played like a Utah, and the Utah's the hot team, mm-hmm. and they have better athletes, well, actually, Cincinnati's got a lot of NFL guys, but whatever, like maybe Utah's that hot team and they come in and they beat an undefeated Cincinnati and they have a better chance coming in. Cause we've seen those, you know, just the college basketball playoffs and the March yeah. madness stuff. You just get the hot team. And yeah, if they were to play in the middle of the season against Kentucky probably wouldn't have had, but they're hot now and Kentucky's doing okay. And you, you know, Loyola Chicago can beat Kentucky, you know, and maybe we get that a little bit in college football where you get a team like say Utah's really hot at the end. Now they end up losing to Ohio State, but maybe they go through and and they make some sort of run and they give one of the the blue bloods that's been in the playoff every year a run for their money. I don't know, but I mean, I I'd, I'd like to see it too. I'd like to see that expansion. Just and I think you could get some better games in that first round when the best teams are probably like on some sort of buy. Absolutely. Yeah. Just just a little more just a little more excitement, a little more magic. That's all I ask for. I like the magic. I mean, it's uh it's an awesome regular season. I know people don't want to ruin the regular season. I don't think it will. But the the college football postseason is just kind of wonky sometimes. And I think I think you can do this without diminishing the regular season, which is already great. We love the regular season. Uh, okay, why don't we take a quick break and we'll start in our mailbag stuff. So back in a minute. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Chris. We got a lot of questions. Here's uh, the little drop I love. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. No, we love talking to our audience. Um, we had a bunch of emails. Chris put the, uh, the the tweet out there, and we got a lot of people responding to the Twitters. So I don't know where you want to start, Chris. Uh, yeah, do we have any uh, email ones first? or Because I got all the Twitter ones. You got all Twitter, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll start off with our email ones and kind of get you uh, going there. We got Alex in Chicago who wrote in and said, Hey, Ryan and Chris. Thanks for the awesome reporting you do on USC football. Thanks, Alex. That's nice. Besides media caring about USC football practices being open to the public and the media, do you think the average fan, alumni, or student cares if practices are open or closed? If Lincoln Riley thinks closed practices lead to more wins, why should he compromise on that? I hear USC may force Riley to open practices to the public uh, media. Any thoughts on that one, Chris? The average fan student alum cares i think they do care i mean it's always fun to go at practices you know when we would you know cover those practices on a saturday when you had all the fans out there you know there's a there's an uh, an, an extra level of intensity and excitement out there and you know it's just fun to go out there and see your your team you know practice see these guys up close interact with them so i think there is definitely you know an average fan and alum and student they do care maybe not the students as much um, but I think there is definitely fans that care, especially when there's a lot of excitement around the program like there is now. We we have several questions asking about this for spring, which we'll get to, but I, I think they do. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, it's a like if you're a fan, you're like, hey, I want my team to win. I don't care how it happens. But, you know, if if closing practices helps them win more, they're not going to be opposed to that. I think the problem right. is I don't think it helps you win by closing your practice. I mean, it's just coaches being paranoid, but when you're in this kind of a media market, I mean, you, I, you would start hearing those fans like, why aren't we hearing anything about USC? Um, well, cause we can't watch practice and no one's the LA times are going to talk about, you know, the Lakers off season or the, what the Dodgers are doing. They're not going to talk about USC or, um, I mean, we would always continue. We're uscfootball.com. We will talk about it, but there'll be less things to talk about for sure. If there's, you can't go check out practice, see what's going on. So I feel like, yeah, they, like you want your team to win, but in this kind of market, if you were in Lincoln, Nebraska, or if you're in Tallahassee, like there's nothing else going on. You're going to cover this, but the the major media outlets, if you're going to like flip on the TV, you're like, oh, why am I hearing from Chip Kelly and not Lincoln Riley? It's like, well, cause you can't go to practice. And um, so that kind of stuff, I think fans would sort of be like, get upset with uh, fairly quickly. And then we have, Number two, uh, from Alex, Lincoln Riley's offense has always had major issues with Dave Aranda's defense, both at LSU and Baylor. Can other teams, including Oregon, use Aranda's defense as a blueprint on how to beat USC's offense? Fight on. Peace on. Love on. Alex from Chicago. Aranda. Aranda. Okay. So, absolutely, you know, other teams, including Oregon, would probably, you know, look at that, those games against Lincoln Riley's offense. You know, 
you're always scouting to see how you can get better. And obviously, you know, if you're going to be playing these guys every season or every other year, you're definitely going to look at that game and those games to see what worked here, what worked there. And, you know, Dan Lanning, defensive guy, he, he probably has confidence in, confidence in his defense. So they're not, I don't think they're suddenly going to just play a Dave Aranda style defense the week that they're playing USC, but they'll probably definitely take concepts and take things that they saw on tape that worked against uh, Lincoln Riley's offense. So, yeah, I mean, that's something you're, you're probably going to see moving forward as, you know, the official season starts. Um, but also on the flip side, you know, Lincoln's a tinker, so he's probably, you know, been working on stuff. You know, he's probably going to go back there and say, why did this work? Why didn't this work? You know, I, ha- I have trouble with these, these these schemes or this sort of defense. What can I do to, you know, to, to get out of that and kind of break through that? So they're coaches. They tinker. They look at it. They study. They try to they try to get better. So, you know, I think you're going to see that from defenses. But I think you're, you're – I, I would say Lincoln is also – trying to to get over that hump of those kind of defenses like Aranda's. Yeah. So is it you say Aranda, not Aranda? Aranda Aranda. Aranda. I say Aranda. I everything I've heard has been Aranda, but maybe I'm wrong. Look, I I'm not I, I don't claim to know how to pronounce people's names. That's why I always turn to shotgun when I need a name pronunciation. Mm. So Aranda, I don't know what the official stance of this podcast is, but I will do whatever whatever you want it to be. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fine. I thought it was random, but I could be wrong, so they can let us know. Um, it's sort of like there's some things that are easier said than done, right? You're like, hey, you know what? I want to go out and win a Super Bowl. Uh, I saw how successful Kansas City's offense was. Let's run that, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, sure. Go. <laughs> like, and then you, you realize have, you don't have Patrick, have Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes and Travis yeah. Kelsey and like, okay, go ahead. You know, like, I'm not saying like Baylor has unbelievable talent everywhere, but it's, you know. The reason he was one of the most successful defensive coordinators in the country is because he was really good at his job. So we just say, I'm going to do what he does. Like, mm, I, you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do either. Really good coach. Really yeah. good coach. He's very good. Going to get paid, which is good for him. Uh, we have a quick one from David. Will Ryan get a USC tattoo if USC wins the Pac-12? Well, I mean, you get a tattoo, not a USC tattoo, but a tattoo. I'm sorry, tattoo if USC wins the Pac-12. Uh, hell no. Like, what the? What? They win the Pac-12. Is that like some, like, if you said national championship, I still wouldn't do it. But, like, that would at least <laughs> make more sense, I guess. But, like, hey, if USC, USC does something they should should do most every year, you should get a tattoo. Like, no, that's not how. I don't have any tattoos. Like, this would be a big-ass deal if I'm getting a tattoo. Like, you know, and I would not do that. So, you know, it's not. I'm not going to say, like, hey, I'm, like, 300 followers away from 10,000. If I get there, I'm going to get a tattoo. Like, I, I wouldn't be. specific. That's an oddly specific example you just used. <laughs> I wonder uh, I wonder what that could be. Yeah, um, which I'm sure we're going to get some questions about that, too. Uh, S.I. Gomez? It's E-S-A-I. How would you pronounce that? S.I. S.I. Okay. S.I. Gomez wrote in, uh, hey, Ryan and crew, just wanted to let uh, get your thoughts on seven-on-seven passing tournaments. I saw on Twitter uh, Milliken is having a tournament with all the big SoCal high schools, uh, will you guys be covering it? Also, how has seven on seven changed, and how high school kid, how how has seven on seven changed how high school kids are evaluated from a side? Milliken in my neighborhood of Long Beach, and yes, I will definitely be there. Uh, if you haven't seen that list, it's a pretty big list of uh, schools that are going to be there. So I'm excited to cover that one. This 
I believe is the first time Milliken's had anything this this a tournament this big. So, you know, I'm excited to get out to that one, see all the the local Long Beach guys, and then some you know some bigger teams that are coming there. Um, and in terms of how it's changed evaluations, I think it's like a, a double edged sword because I think it it allows guys like us and you know Greg Biggins and Huffman and all those guys opportunities to see you know especially the skill positions. Like we get to see them, you know, move out there. You know, we don't, it's not, it's absolutely not, you know, it's not like 50% of an evaluation because they are just out there in like, you know, their underwear, you know, and helmets. And it's it's not pads. It's not full contact football. Um, but it does, it does give you an idea how a player, you know, can move, um, how they handle matchups. Quarterback play, obviously, is a, it's a big thing in seven on seven. Um, it's not the end all be all, obviously. It's just another... It's just another evaluation point that, you know, they can use when making their full scope evaluations. But the main primary one is always going to be, you know, huddle tape, you know, actual 11 on 11 full hitting football. That's obviously always going to be the the number one evaluator point. But seven on seven is just another little extra bit of information. But on the flip side, I think also kids think because they dominate in a seven on seven event or they have a really good tournament that automatically means they should be, you know, courted as a five-star player or bumped up to a four-star player. That's not always the case. It can absolutely help their cause when they dominate events like this, but just because you jump over a guy and, and route him in a moss or moss him in the end zone a couple of times, doesn't mean you get a full-star bump or a rating bump or anything like that. It's a, yeah. just a small piece of a larger picture for us. And it's, I mean, the more opportunities you get to see players that are at a high level playing against other players at a high yeah. level, even though there's no pads, it's just, that's, those are nice little data points as well. And, you know, the problem is we, you want to see the full pads 11 on 11, you know, are they finishing up a block, you know, yeah. a running play, all that kind of stuff you want to do. But, you know, sometimes you're playing against weaker competition yeah. and it's just not the same. So there's. There's good or bad, but you in these opportunities, usually you're playing against better players and you can see, you know, it's not easy for a linebacker or a safety, but for like a, you know, a cornerback and a wide receiver, like if they're covering each other one on one a lot, you, you get something out of that. There's something there. And you can you can get away with being a little bit more lazy in seven on seven, you know, not. You know, finishing a route or all that stuff, but that stuff will get you caught in in, in real football, so. I think that that can also create bad habits, the seven on seven scene when when it comes to that. So there's some upside and there's some downsides to, you know, the seven on seven scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that question. And we got one more email and then we'll get to the tweets. Uh, Don, what do you think is the over under for Caleb Williams reaching 5 million? And I, I think he means an NIL deals before he yeah. leaves for the NFL. I mean, I got to take the over all day. Yeah. We got you two know, years, for, right? Yeah. Two years. You know, and he's already got what, at least over a million in some, in some aspect. You know, already has the beats deal. He has that real estate deal. He's got the fanatics deal. He's got all these deals, and he hasn't even played a snap. Now throw in having him a really good season. You know, winning a Heisman. Take the over. Take the over, baby. Yeah, I think I would have to go with the over too, because we don't know what this space is going to look like now. So some something could get passed and it all gets shut down or there's caps or I, who knows. But if it's going to keep growing the way it seems to be, I mean, he's 
got all this momentum without having played a down. Uh, maybe that, you know, month delay since he hit the portal and decided to come to USC sort of created more hype and allowed him to sign more deals. I don't know, but there's, there's a lot of stuff going on with, with Caleb Williams and we haven't seen him play for USC yet. So if he has a big season, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of deals that could come out of this and we'll, we'll know more about NIL deals in general kind of going forward, but that's sort of where we are right now. Now we'll get into some Twitter questions and I just want to use this one because this was a sort of a similar question about Caleb Williams. So I just want to lead that off okay. help us bridge into these. Uh, this one was the DM from Austin. Um, is there a cooler recruit signing story than Caleb Williams to USC signing? He's a Trojan for five minutes and he's in a suite in the Super Bowl in LA. He's hanging with Reggie Bush in a brand new stadium. Mookie's there, LeBron, other sports faces of Los Angeles. Oh, and he just inked a $2.5 million deal with the halftime performer, Dr. Dre. Is it even fair to speculate on how big of an impact that will have on recruiting? Nothing like this has been done before. Yeah, Austin, um, thanks for the the tweet. Like, we haven't seen anything like this before, but this is NIL, and this is a new era with the transfers and all that. Um, you know, the collectives that are going on, and we don't know much about if that stuff's kind of happening at USC, I think Washington's got one going. Um, but LA is more of a star driven thing. So I feel like if you get a big star, uh, big five-star player, the one that everyone knows about, this kind of stuff will happen at USC. Will it happen for like the backup center? Like it could happen in, you know, uh, Nebraska, like, Everyone knows who the backup center is. I don't know if the USC's, you know, too deep is going to get a whole bunch of money, but the stars, I think, have huge potential for that. And that's what's going to attract, I think, other people, you know, and they, yeah. you know, they have three five-star players already committed for 2023. Um, this is the kind of stuff that they're going to look at. So, yeah, I think it can have a huge impact on recruiting. Yeah, that's a really good point just about the star potential. And I think the star NIL potential in LA is probably the highest of any team in the country. Would you say just because of LA and the opportunities here? I would think like, you know, you could put Miami potentially yeah. uh, Mario Cristobal and stuff, you know what they're going to do. But as far as like huge markets, yeah. Like it's just the entertainment account. Like there could be some stuff with Cal Stanford, just with Silicon Valley potentially, but yeah. I, I don't think the combination of tradition and, you know, approximate, you know, the talent around and the entertainment industry. I mean, all of that kind of wrapped into one. I, I just don't think there's going to be another, every school probably has some unique NIL opportunities, but uh, I think a lot of schools would trade their unique NIL opportunities for what USC and even potential UCLA would have. Yeah. And I think it kind of, that line Austin wrote about just like, he's in a suite at the Super Bowl in LA and the guy he inked the deal with is performing at halftime. I mean, yeah, that's just like a pinch me moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was a two and a half million dollar deal. Did you, is that the, is that real? I don't that, know. That's that. been the number that's been thrown out. Yeah. So we're already halfway there on the over. Yeah. If that's true. Boom. Uh, obviously we've gotten a lot of questions about the fight on emoji that Lincoln Riley tweeted out, uh, what was that, Sunday? No, Saturday night? 
So we've got at least three questions about this. What do we think is referring to predictions on this? What 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 are we thinking, Ryan? What was your reaction? Okay, so I am fight on emo- emoji burned out, and I okay. I know there was a text thread going with like you, me, and and Gerard, Gerard. Shotgun. And shotgun maybe. Um, didn't care. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like I'm just like we'll find out later. Like the big one's over. The Caleb Williams thing's happening. I'm like I just don't know. It's it's gonna be yeah. Uh, I mean I don't think it's like a. Jaden Daniels is going to come to USC and be a backup quarterback. I don't think it's anything like that. So I, at this point, it's just like, okay. Um, I feel like there was some of the tweets that were going out there. Like, you know what people are looking for, and they weren't that. Um, so I don't know what you're really looking for now. But, you know, maybe some some good news that we'll hear about soon. But I really, I don't want to be me. I just, I just didn't really care. But I, what did you think? Are you saying it's lost its luster? It's over? It's like. I- it's done. I, I need a break from it. I, okay. I'm, I'm not going to like all hands on deck anymore if a fight on emoji happens because the big fish is is already been landed. We know where Caleb Williams is going. So there's um, no bigger fish for you. It's done. No, this could be like a backup <laughs> punter, like that's coming. Like, who knows? Like I don't know. Yeah, no I mean, fish. Yeah. no bigger fish. Uh, I mean, it is interesting, and I hate to I hate to uh, uh, burst your bubble, but there will be many more fight on emojis. Over the next couple months, we're just going to put it that way. They're they're going to keep doing them. They're not going away. It's yeah. just a thing now. They're like Crocs. You know, you may you may not like them, but they're everywhere. They're <laughs> they're going to they're going to keep happening. They got Croc stores now. They got Croc charms. It's just this whole thing. I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm with the emojis, but they do stress me out. They mm. do stress me out. High key. I was just chilling, having having late night dinner with my family, and then this thing pops up. And then you gotta go. You gotta be on high alert. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta check with sources. You gotta check the internet. You gotta see who's retweeting. If anyone following up on this, and this one was just basically Lincoln, which was interesting because if you, because if you follow the pattern, usually it's pretty much everyone on the staff. You know, it's all the support staff people that are getting into it. It's a coordinated attack. This one just seemed like Lincoln was just gonna stir up some trouble. Yeah, it's been obviously over. 70, 72 hours now, nothing, not, not much has happened. So it does make you think a little bit. I don't think, I don't think it was a commitment. I don't think it was like an imminent commitment, anything like that. Uh, I'm prepared to eat my own words when they get a commitment from a transfer wide receiver from Idaho in, in 12 minutes uh, while we're doing this <laughs> podcast. I'm prepared to eat those words, but I don't think it's a, an imminent transfer like that. I think it was more, uh, Lincoln just being excited about maybe a conversation he just had with a recruit or something like that, or he got some positive feedback from a recruit or something like that, and he just wanted to to throw out, get some excitement going. Um, but that being said, if people want me to make a guess on who it was for, you know, I'm not saying it's Josh Connerly because he hasn't taken his official visit. He will be making his decision in a couple weeks here. Still has to take his official visit. Uh, to USC that will be coming up in March before he makes his choice. USC is looking like it will get the final one, which is good. They're trending in the right spot for him. You know, maybe I had a good conversation with him. Maybe got off a good FaceTime with him. Just wanted to throw up a fight on. Um, the other one would be probably the five-star wide receiver Brandon Innes out of Florida. You know, a one-time commit to to Lincoln 
um, and, and Dennis Simmons over there at Oklahoma. He's got some USC crystal balls on him. He will be making a visit in March, which should be a busy, busy uh, recruiting month for them. You know, maybe he fe- he had a conversation with him and felt good. Um, those would be my two guesses, not saying they committed, uh, just saying, you know, maybe had some good conversations with them. And just wanted to, you know, get some some buzz going on social media. Um, so those yeah. those those would be my guesses. No, yeah, I think that all makes sense. Um, you know, it could just be like, hey, we had like a position meeting or whatever, like an offensive meeting. Like, man, we like just we got it. We got this down. There's like this whatever, whatever it is, something positive within the program. But uh, yeah, until like the Josh Connerly stuff's going to happen, like that'll probably be the next big big one. So I guess I'll have to pay attention then. But I. I'm going to take a little fight on emoji break. You're taking a vacation. I got you. A little bit. I got you. Uh, Relevant to what we just talked about. This one comes from Gustavo. Always got fun questions, Gustavo, so I appreciate it. Chris, do you feel like a Gotham City reporter every time you see the fight on signal? Like, you know, something is going down, but you have to figure out what it is. Yes, absolutely. You know, (laughs) it it would be an interesting. I would I would watch an entire TV series following a Gotham City reporter journalist. And what it's like to cover that city and Batman and City Hall. Because if I'm the Gotham City reporter, I see that that bat signal go up. I was like, oh crap! I gotta cut my date short. I gotta I gotta go. I gotta leave the gym. I gotta I gotta hit up my sources at Arkham Asylum. I gotta be like, did the Joker get out? Who got out? Did Mister Freeze get out? <laughs> who who who's going? I gotta contact my my guys at City Hall. What's going on? Was the mayor kidnapped? What what's going on? Is the Riddler back? Where's the penguin? Someone give me the goddamn penguin. Where is he? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I this, this is a great uh, analogy. I, I love it so much. So, absolutely. Yeah, it's the bat signal. All right. Well, thanks, Gustavo. That was cool. I uh, got one from Mike Fisher. Any word on Solo? Uh, that would be Solo Tuliapupu. Uh, would love to see him finally in action. Also, did Ryan even know what TikTok is when you started one for this site? Ryan, I'll let you answer that before we get into some solo talk. Uh, I started the TikTok, Mike. He did. I almost tweeted that, and I was like, no, I want him to say it on the podcast. (laughs) So I was like, we should probably do this. And I did a couple videos, and Chris was really into it. I'm like, well, I already created one. And so he's really uh, jumped on it. Um, I need to do some stuff with it, too. But we, uh, Chris, the one video you did for... Got to Ingram. Yeah, God. The first one I posted, I just got so lucky. It went viral, almost a million views, uh, crap ton of likes. Uh, thank you, Keontae Ingram. You have changed the outcourse of this little Insta- uh, this little TikTok account. Um, so, yeah, we're at 1,600 followers. It's going strong. So if you're on, follow us. Ryan, we need you to plug us on the Instagram. I'll do that, Instagram yeah. Plug. Um, and hopefully we're doing a lot of cool things uh, in the next couple of months. For uh, sure. And during the season. Um, and, and Mike it, called it tilt talk anyway. So he's making talk, fun of yeah. me for being old and not knowing what a tilt talk is, but he got it wrong. So tilt talk. That's on you, me. Mike. Come check <laughs> just out. Kidding, just kidding. <laughs> uh, any word on solo? Uh, yeah. I mean, I talked to a, a source on solo about a couple months ago, Foot's doing good, excited about the new opportunity, uh, you know, that there is, I've heard he's been learning all the linebacker spots. And again, this defense is similar to what they're running, uh, again with Orlando so not that much of a learning curve it's it's going to help them out um so I heard he's learning the, those linebacker spots I also heard he's been playing a little edge uh, which is interesting you know he has that big six foot three frame you know they need ed- edge rushers after losing Drake and Hunter and Falanico 
Um, so I think the edge could be an interesting spot for him because, you know, we saw it when we were watching, you know, scout team, he would play sort of an end position because they didn't have defensive linemen. No, he was getting in there. He was in those linemen's ass every day. He was pushing guys around. He was beating guys off the block. Solo has that motor to be a really good edge player. So I'm excited to see if, you know, they can utilize. Obviously, he has to be healthy. Obviously, you hope that he can make the next step in his recovery. Uh, you know, did a lot of practices this year. Got in one game on special teams. You hope you can see that a little bit more. Um, but this might be the year we actually see him, you know, maybe get some some defensive time. And, you know, edge is a position, you know, I think he could be, you know, helpful, especially with that motor and that intensity that he that he brings. I think there's some guys in Solomon Tuolapupu who's won. Uh, maybe that just you didn't see much of them and they needed a new lease on life and a new staff comes in and that gives you the opportunity. And his was more with the injury stuff. And then there's, there's probably going to be some guys that were like that and we've seen them already leave or they're going to leave going in the future. I, you, you hope someone like that doesn't and they find a place for him and they, they, they make it work and he's able to integrate himself into the new defense and be a productive member. Uh, pretty optimistic for, for solo for that one. Um, but there's, it's something that, uh, you know, we've already seen the roster being churned and I think it's going to continue and just seeing what happens during spring football, you might see more of that. Like someone you're like, Oh, I expected them to stay and nope, whatever reason practice didn't work out. Well, this wasn't the way I wanted to do things or, and the staff moves on or the player moves on, whatever. I, I think there's potential for a lot more of that too. Um, but you know, I, I'm for whatever reason, I'm optimistic that solo is going to be a productive member of this defense in 2022. We'll see if I'm right or not. You're always right. Right. <laughs> no, far, far, far from it. But thanks for the question on solo. Yeah. Uh, Garvey hall of fame has two questions for us. A little bit of recruiting, uh, Chandavian Branley looks like USC for the crystal balls, the favorite to sign him. Please give us an update on how good is he? Question two, looks like USC is doing well with secondary players. Can you give us an update on potential recruits on the defensive line? Okay. Yeah. Brand, I'll let you handle this, Chris. Oh, th thank you so much. Thank you so much. Why don't you go, <laughs> uh, go take a, go take a, a vacation uh, from this one. I, I got it. Uh, Bradley. Yeah. I mean, that one was, that came in really quick, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley and that staff had a relationship with him, you know, when they came over with Roy Manning and Alex Grinch. Those are his two primary recruiters. So the, 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 they already had a built-in relationship. So it was no-brainer to offer him. He was one of the first offers that was made when they came over. You know, he's a consensus, consensus four-star recruit, top 50 player in the country, the number one player out of Missouri. And I think it's really interesting that not a lot of people talk about this, but Lincoln Riley has done actually a really good job of recruiting Missouri and St. Louis in particular. I talked to a coach out there who said he's got he's got great you know relationships in in the state. He recruits the, the the area very well. So I think that's one that's one reason why Bradley has you know Oklahoma was a a, a, a school for him that he was considering a lot, and now USC seems to be the favorite. Uh, I haven't had an update on him other than he is expected to visit. I would assume that's going to be happening next month uh, for their second junior day event. Uh, we'll try to get that an update on that from out there in Missouri. Um, but yeah, that's that's a that's a position that USC needs to address. You know, they have they have Bradley with the crystal ball. He's a top 50 edge rusher. They have Mateo Uyelele. He's a California kid. 
you know, they've been they've been re reestablishing that relationship with him. But I think Bradley is a guy you could see maybe come off the board for USC once they get him on campus, get him visiting. He could be a guy that maybe commits or, yeah, make commits, you know, going into, you know, the season. Someone they get in the offseason to help build that defensive class. And then the second question, defensive line. You know, there's a lot of names that they've sort of reset the board with. Um, I assume we're not going to be we're going to be talking about interior guys, not necessarily edge guys. Um, but they've made a lot of offers out in the SEC territory in the South. You know, Ryan, that's where you get the guys that help you win championships because yeah. they're not growing them out there like they are out out here in Texas. I mean, sorry, out here in uh, in California. You know, a little too much kale on the West Coast, <laughs> a little more cookout down South. You know, so you have these guys out of Texas, out of Alabama, um, Florida, Georgia. You see all these offers, you know, some of the one one name I will throw out there that I think, you know, people need to start paying attention to is John Walker, uh, the big defensive line interior guy, six foot three, 310 pounds, four star recruit. You know, he's recently said he's going to come take an official visit, I believe, to USC. So, you know, they're trending up for him. You know, there's other guys out there that they've offered. Um, trying to get the, the other one, Caden McDonald out of Georgia. He's also a big boy, six foot three. Uh, 310 pounds. You can tell they definitely want one of those big guys for the middle. Sidear Mitchell, six foot five, 324. They need a big body guy. They need like a Brandon Peely guy, 300 plus pounds, athletic that can you know hold up the middle of that that defense. Jordan Hall out of Florida, six foot four, 300. They're going after these big dudes, so you can look for USC to push for one of those guys. John Walker is probably the one to know right now. Um, and then obviously the other one would be Jaden Wayne. Uh, the five-star caliber defensive defensive uh, lineman out of uh, Lincoln, Tacoma, Washington. You know, like we said, not a lot of those big uh, defensive linemen in California. But the West Coast, you can find them. You know, Utah, Washington has produced some defensive linemen recently. And, you know, USC was one of the, the re-offers that they made out. Lincoln Riley pushed for Wayne. You know, he's been on campus a couple times. Julian Simon, the freshman linebacker, former teammate of his in Lincoln. So there's a connection there. USC recently made his uh, top 11, so they're in play there. Just need to get him on campus again, get him with Sean Nua, get that relationship going a little bit more. Um, and so that's another guy to, to look out for on the on the West Coast in, uh, in Wayne. So, yeah, do you wow, remember, I just talked, uh, I just remember Sean lot. Nua said, like, you can find guys anywhere. It doesn't have to yeah. be. So he's, you know, he seems like he can find them where, you know, anywhere in the country. But they make them the biggest in the South. They do. They make them the biggest in the South. They're ready-made. They're ready-made. They're ready a, a lot more, yeah. Uh, nice. Well, thanks. Okay, uh, you're, you're going to have to do the next one. I just talked all the saliva out of my mouth. Sure. Okay. Uh, this is from Aaron. How many more transfers do you think USC will bring in after spring ball? And he also want to know about the fight on emoji, which we already talked about. But, um, okay, so if you look at USC's scholarship situation right now, uh, I have on the chart, and there's there's going to be some more guys dropping off, but as of right now, I have 80 players on scholarship. You can have up to 85, so that would mean potentially five more. They've brought in eight high school players, well, seven in the Australian kid, and then um, 13 transfers, so that's 21, but uh, I believe there were still some spots you could have counted backwards for, and then you also get seven more rides this year up to 32 instead of 25 by the NCAA. So I don't think 
USC is going to hit that number and worry about it. Um, and I, I don't see, you know, bringing in as many as you possibly can. I mean, it, there's potential there, but like a Josh, you know, Chris already mentioned like a Josh Connerly, like obviously there's a spot there. Um, I think there's a few spots that we talked about this in the war room a little bit last week about some of the areas that USC might target. And I think, you know, everyone could probably figure it out. If you could bring in another offensive tackle, you could bring in some middle linebacker help or defensive tackle help places like that. Um, yeah, I think you, you would bring in a few more guys. Um, but I, I think some of it's just going to be, you don't know who's going to be in the portal too. And there might be uh, where Lincoln Riley is like, Hey, we want to save this many spots. We don't want to sign this many people, whatever it is. And then someone comes to the portal. You're like, Oh, we definitely want him. And so you leave a spot for someone like that. Um, I mean, the weird thing is, you know, we mentioned the Jaden Daniels stuff earlier where, you know, Arizona state losing their starting quarterback of the last three years, he sort of missed his window to get with a team. Like there's not a lot of opportunities. Now he might jump down to the mountain West or something because a lot of the big programs already got their guy, you know, like UCLA seemed like that could be a destination, but DTR is coming back. Um, you know, they're so there it's, it's weird, but like, I think there's opportunity. Uh, if you see there's like targets of opportunity, right? Like you're like, Oh, here's this huge factory. That's under, you know, uh, unprotected. Like we're, you know, I don't, I'm not sure where I was going to bomb, but I'm going to bomb that. Um, there's like, Oh my God, there's like this amazing middle linebacker. It's former five stars in the portal. And cause his position coach left somewhere else and let's try to bring him in where that wasn't the plan before. So I think, um, as far as how many, I mean, I'm thinking you're thinking like five or six more potentially, but that's just kind of my guess. But I think there's potential targets there that you don't even know about that. Uh, maybe Lincoln Riley would want to bring in. I don't any thoughts, Chris. So I, I just got the spit back in my mouth. Yeah. I, I, I think, <laughs> You're on the money with that. I would say five or six. I think I think five is five to four for me is kind of the ideal target. You just need that interior offensive lineman. You know, if you get Connerly an interior offensive lineman, a couple edge rushers, and then an impact interior defensive lineman, I think you're good. Maybe another linebacker. So that's like around the five five mark. Yeah, and I you know I think that's where you go and. You might miss on a couple of the guys and say like, well, we could get this guy, but we don't really, we'll save it for a, you know, high school player the next time around. Um, you know, the, the already having 13 transfers in, like, that's a lot, right? Like that's a bunch. Um, but you know, we it could depend on how many guys drop out too. If there's guys that just go through spring football and you're like, you know what? I wanted to give this a shot. This is just, isn't for me. Uh, I want to finish the last couple of years of my college career somewhere else. Like you, you're probably going to see some of that stuff and just, you know, it's gotta be a right fit. And this isn't, you know, you're going to change the entire culture of this team. It's probably not going to be the, the correct fit for everybody. I feel like we're at the halfway point a little bit. Let's try to keep the pace a little bit. Cause we still okay. got a lot of questions. We still got oh, a crap. lot of questions. So All right. we'll, we'll uh, pick it up. Let's, let's keep it moving. Uh, list of names for uh, Andrew Carrillo. I think I said that beautifully. List of names for O-line, D-line targets in the transfer portal that we may see as our next wave of possible recruits. This one's a little tough because, like we said, there is a new wave of transfers coming, but they're just not in the portal yet. So right. it's sort of hard to really identify uh, which guys in the portal right now that could be. 
and especially O-line, D-line, because as I mentioned before, if you're a top offensive lineman or a top defensive lineman in the portal, you're getting snatched up like that. It's very quick. You're not in there a long time. I mean, right now, if if we're talking about O-line, D-line, for O-line, I would probably say is is the uh, Tennessee kid, uh, Chris Akpordjene, I think I said that right, uh, from Tennessee. USC offered him. He's probably the biggest fish out there um, that can help. Uh, in terms of interior offensive linemen, if you're an interior offensive lineman, most of the guys still on the board are like centers. USC doesn't really need a center. They need a guard. Maybe a guy who can kick out to tackle, but you need someone as big as like a guard, like six foot five, six foot four kind of guy, not a six foot two guy. So that's sort of where they're at with, with offensive linemen. They need to wait until that next O-line wave. And then D-line, it's mainly those edge rushers. Uh, the Murphy twins out of North Texas, the two guys that they offered, um, those guys are showing the board, still waiting to hear what's going to happen with them. And then Ochon Mathis, I think I said that right again. That's my phrase on the show. I think I said that right. The, <laughs> the TCU edge rusher transfer, he recently put USC in his top five. Texas is the projected favorite there. So I don't know if, if that's really, you know, USC is really in that top five, more outside looking in kind of deal. But that's the other, you know, defensive line front player that USC is looking at. And as far as like interior defensive linemen, they're going to have to wait into that next wave because there's not a lot out there. Yeah. It's just one of the things where like this isn't the, the, the shelves aren't really stocked yet and they, yeah. you know, they will be coming up uh, pretty soon when spring practice happens. I mean, you know, Jaden Daniels coming in before spring practice even starts. It's a pretty big one. You're going to see more kind of during uh, mostly afterwards, like similar to what Jay Toya did last year, right? Like just that he waited after spring. He actually killed it in spring. And then, uh, you know, decided he's going to transfer out and ends up over at UCLA. O-line defensive, O-line and D-line are essentially toilet paper in April of 2020. That's how hard they are to come by. <laughs> they're, off, they're off the board quick. <laughs> you couldn't uh, find, uh, all yeah, the stuff you, you couldn't find. find. Couldn't like, find it. You couldn't find, uh, you know, wipes, like uh, hand sanitizer, all that stuff was gone. Raychan18 asks, who is the more explosive pa- player, Malik Brown or Zachariah Branch? Um, this is a tough one because they are both, number one, really, really explosive. But I got to go Branch on this one because Branch is the one that's compared to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think, I mean, Brown has the, you know, being the, the running back, but can sort of go out to the slot. Like Branch is just, he's going to be outside and lots the of speed, speed. Speed for days. Speed, 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 and uh, yeah, I would probably. Le- but both are are very explosive players. I think they're just a little bit different is the way their bodies are made up and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I got to talk to Branch Zachariah Branch um, last weekend, and that was uh, you know, didn't I wasn't watching him run or anything. We were just talking, so he wasn't super explosive when we were doing the interview. But um, does he talk as fast as he runs? No, he doesn't talk. He's, okay, he's, okay. he's a good talker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Elk official, if you think. Do you think if Rick Caruso wins as mayor, it will help USC further in regards to pushing through local council paper, local council paperwork, i.e. building permits and approvals, et cetera, once the USC board finally decides to back what Lincoln has as his vision regarding major facility upgrades? Uh, Seems like I don't a know. stretch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how like politics and USC football work together, but this sounds sort of corrupt. This just sounds like a corrupt question. I don't really know. Like, you know, give the wink, wink, grease, grease, get the paperwork through. I don't know how that works or if that's how it works. I mean, I'm sure 
you know, him being on the board, you know, he's obviously a USC fan, so I'm sure he would try to do stuff to 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 help USC legally. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know uh, what uh, what would come of that in terms of permits and approvals and stuff like that. Yeah, I just don't think there's going to be a thing like, well, normally we wouldn't destroy this part of the neighborhood so you could build a football facility, but Rick Roos is the mayor now, so we're going to let you do that. So we're going to get rid of all this housing, and I don't, I don't think something like that is going to happen. Um, if anything, it's like when you know the dad that's like the umpire for his son uh, or daughter, and you're like called balls and strikes even a little tighter because you don't want to be shown as biased. Like I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I don't think you're going to get. Oh, now that Rick, if, if Rick Russo becomes mayor, now you can do whatever you want in the city and build a, uh, a flying football facility around the stables. I mean, like, you know, it, I, I don't think that's going to be a thing. Uh, underscore fight on, uh, as SC fans, we want the best Cali kids to stay home. And I know it's early in the process, but do you think there will be more out of state players in this first class? Uh, is, I, I'm assuming he's asking, is there going to be more out-of-state players than California players in this initial class? Um, that's a tough question. I think if if you're a USC, if you're a, a California kid and USC's coming after you, I think you just have that, USC has that built-in advantage because of what USC means to local kids. So I think if they, you know, target California kids, West Coast kids, I think they're going to have more kids than that, than out-of-state players. Even though they, they do have their hand in for several big-time players out-of-state, I would probably lean towards more having more California kids uh, in this class. And I would agree. And I feel like it's the first class, and you're going to be... It's similar to what like Pete Carroll was able to do early on. You get the Sean Cody's to stay home. Uh, you know, he got the, the Servite kids that were going to go to Oklahoma where he was there. They're going to, you know... Uh, come to USC. And I think you can do that getting the California kids to stay home. Now, can you get that defensive lineman out of Georgia to commit in year one in 2023 class? Like maybe, maybe not, but if you go out and win 10 or 11 games and show everyone like, wow, they were like knocking on the door for a playoff or something. Now I think you can do, start doing some cherry picking outside of the region and, and get that high four star, low five star guy from Louisiana to come out to USC, like similar to what Pete Carroll was able to do. Um, I think you kind of have to build up to that a little bit more. Now there's going to be guys that he has relationships with. And you mentioned like in a story, like that maybe he, they had already committed um, to Oklahoma earlier. And you know, it's maybe less of a stretch to commit to the same coach just at a different school. But I feel like it's going to be really circle the wagons around California, get some of those top players to stay. And if you have, success that you know brings some national recognition then you start to expand and try to get those guys that could be potential first round draft picks from other states and, and bring them to la uh mike asked based on the new enthusiasm for the program as reflected increased ticket sales increased members on the p what is you and ryan's guess on actual attendance for the opener against rice okay so the problem is we could guess but Every attendance figure I was given for the last several years, I didn't believe. So <laughs> what are you going to like base it off of? Because we've been so, oh, there's 52,000. I'm like, no, there's not. <laughs> like, so it's like sold tickets or I don't even know what they do. So 
it's sort of like, I mean, I would rather just guess like how full is it going to be? Like, I feel like, you know, fairly full, like a 80%. And I think there's going to be some excitement. People are, are coming out there and are all the, the top corners and stuff going to be filled up? No, the student section, I think will be pretty good. Um, you know, filling up a little bit more. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, I mean, if I had to guess a number, they'll probably announce something in the like low sixties. It would be a guess, but I think it's going to look better than what we've seen. Uh, probably mostly through 2021. I, I don't know what you think, Chris. I mean, I'm all in on the, the attendance being superb for the opener. That's where I'm at right now. All right. Cool. So I, I would go down for like, 70,000. Okay. That's that's my guess. I'm optimistic that all the energy we're seeing on, on social media and the P, that's going to lead to a lot more faces in the stands. I mean, we already know there's going to be more faces. That's like a fact. 100%. That's going to happen. I mean, the actual number, I'm, I'm going 70. Let's say 70. That, that's my guess. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, this is a sort of a two-part uh, double question from Dave and Sigma Trojan. They want to know about: Is there any word on if practices will be? Uh, uh, assuming that spring practices will be open to the public, and are dates available for spring practice? And if so, are they open to the public? Yeah, we don't know the dates, and we do not know who can come, if anyone. So uh, we're still waiting on that, and you know, it's a. Uh, Usually, and we the one thing we were told is that um, kind of expect things to be sort of like they were before. Uh, we didn't get specifics of like what that access means. would be the same. I, I think it was more of a timing, um, like a three day a week, six weeks with one week for spring break off in the middle, probably yeah. starting around middle of March. Um, so. I'm guessing we'll know somewhat soon, but I, I'm expecting it to be sort of a similar format, like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, couple weeks, spring break, finish it off, um, similar kind of stuff. But I don't know if you have any thoughts. Yeah, I mean, don't really have any concrete dates. You know, we're hoping, obviously, as media, we can we can still cover some practices. You know, you guys are obviously excited uh, about the team, so we're hoping we can uh, produce some content from practices. Um, and just for like past scheduling sake, sake, did I say that right? Sake, yes. Past scheduling sake, Lincoln Riley last year started his spring around, I believe, the 18th or so, March 18th, um, capping off with a spring game. So maybe that, that's when it'll start. I believe it was a little bit later under Helton. Um, but USC is going to have a junior day on the 26th. So then it's a debate of, do you hold off spring until after that so you can have all your resources and attention for the recruits? Or do you have it going on while while spring is there? Um, I'd probably say you'd want it while spring is happening so you can you know, get them to practice, get them around that. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I, kinda, I tend to agree with you on that one. I think it'd be when they get to see them practice, I think it's a big mm -hmm it's a big thing for recruits. So I, so I kind of think it'll start before the junior day. That would be my guess. Okay. Uh, Ray Chan stuck in another one. Uh, Ray Chan 18, uh, just a two part 
Does USC end up signing Josh Connerly, in your opinion? And does Relique Brown play more running back or wide receiver his freshman year? Just going to try to answer this quickly. I do believe USC will get Josh Connerly. They are trending in the right direction. Brandon Huffman wrote a piece about breaking down, you know, handicapping the race. You should go read it. Probably going to get you guys really excited, USC fans. So I would say yes. And Relique, I would say probably plays more wide receiver this year just because it seems like they need more help at the wide receiver, you know, putting him out in the slot, stuff like that. And because USC's wide res- uh, running back room is pretty stock right now with die Austin Jones, uh, Bar- Darwin Barlow is back. So that's three older guys already ahead of him. I'm not saying Relique isn't going to get time at running back. I think he will. And Lincoln will get creative with him, you know, and I think he'll be moving out a little bit more to wide receiver. And I believe he did mention that he's learning. He's in the wide receiver room. He's going to start off in the wide receiver room because he has to play catch up uh, with those routes and stuff and in, in the offense. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you on both. I think, uh, you know, I'd go 60, 40 or so on Josh Connerly to USC. So, I'd, mm-hmm. you know, put him there. And uh, I think originally I thought I was going to see more running back for Brown. But uh, like you were saying, I think I think the wide receiver spot, we might see him more of that, at least in the spring and then see kind of where it goes from there. Yeah. Alex asks, as the 2008 and 2009 classes with a dynasty builder for Alabama, could the 2023 and 2024 classes do the same for USC? This is a big question. Dynasty builder. That's a big word to throw around and Alabama. Um, I don't know about dynasty builder, but I definitely think it could be the classes that catapult USC back into that college football playoff appearance discussion. And, you know, ultimately get there. We don't know what's going to happen this year, but I definitely think with the talent that they already have committed for 2023 and are targeting for 2023, I think it could absolutely be, uh, you know, a foundational class for some college football playoff runs. I don't know if I want to say dynasty builder, but I will say college football playoff runs. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. Um, You know, obviously to have a dynasty built, you want to keep that continuity going. And we've seen. Um, you know, Alabama with Nick Saban, there's been a lot of continuity there. You know, Lincoln Riley's a young, energetic head coach. The NFL is, if he has a lot of success at USC, they're probably going to come calling. I mean, I don't know what, if he could have a lot of success in four years and then leave for the NFL or something. And then I wouldn't say that would be a dynasty, but, you know, maybe it's someone on his staff takes over and they continue it going. I don't know. It's hard to say, but like, yeah, I think that just. The fact that it's like all five stars in that 2023 class right now, it's going to be, you know, a top three class probably, or, you know, five at the worst. I would think it's going to be better than that. So, yeah, that's what's something you can build on. We just haven't seen that around USC for a while. So uh, this is it's a big one. And I think Dynasty is probably, you know, making some more assumptions than I'm ready to go. But I would say for sure the reason they're going to have some postseason success is probably going to be because of the foundation built by that class and potentially more. If you get the offensive lineman. Yeah. You gotta get the offensive line. That's why Connor is so important too. Yeah. Uh, Another one from Mike. There's a lot of mics on this show. Uh, Hi, Chris. Is there such thing as too many receivers in the class of 2023? Brandon Innes and DeAndre Moore looking like USC leans. Would Lincoln want them both? Interesting question. Cause last week we kind of talked about how many wide receivers they would take. I said three. Especially if Innis wants in, you know, you take the number one composite wide receiver in the class, you bring him in, worry about it later. 
I think for more, you know, I think if he wanted to come and they, they would find the space for him, you know, he was an Oklahoma commit. They obviously liked him enough for it to bring him on. Um, so I think if, you know, more wanted to come on, I think they would try to find some space for him. I don't think you could have too many wide receivers. USC is a uh, wide receiver. Isn't a, a huge, huge position of need. Um, but it does need a lot. It does need some talent, you know, cause they have missed out on some top wide receivers over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they're not going to have any problem bringing in wide receivers in the coming classes. So, you know, that's not going to be an issue, but I think if, if they wanted, if they both wanted in, you would find room for them. Yeah, no, I would agree. And if you look at the way it's distributed, you only have one senior and one junior. Um, you know, you have a couple of freshmen there and seven sophomores. Three of those guys are tra- have already transferred in, you know, Taj Washington, Mario Williams and Brendan Rice. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. There's like kind of a bubble of receivers, like sort of in that sophomore spot. Um, you know, there's still some potential red shirts there. You got guys like Gary Bryant Jr., Michael Jackson, um, you know, Kyle Ford. He's a red shirt sophomore. There's a, you know, there's a bunch of guys there, but I think if you have that kind of talent, you bring them in. And, you know, if you brought in three studs like that, then you could potentially see a couple guys leaving. Like, yeah, we're not yeah. gonna, we're gonna, yeah. we're not gonna play with these guys. Transfer Porter changes it up, so I think obviously you could have a guy leave at any moment. So I definitely think if you can, you can get the four, you take the four, yeah, and you know, work it out later. Uh, this one comes from Dano Austin. One guy from offense and one guy from defense that can make the big leap. Kyle Ford and Corey Foreman are mine, but they are pretty obvious. <sighs> leaps um yeah i mean i think those are two fairly those, obvious guys yeah, th- those would be the two like i kind of think you'd think of first just because of the their their talent obviously both were five stars in their respective classes um do you have yours because i have mine i can go with so i mean i i think foreman is the most important on the defensive side but yeah. even like a guy like Solomon Tulial Pupu, um, you know, if if somehow he can be a stud inside linebacker for USC, I think it would be big. But I think I would still lean towards Foreman. But and and I because they're the wide receivers, I think you're going to be okay. It might be like a Cortland Ford, uh, someone like mm-hmm. that that can, um, you know, be your solid right tackle or left tackle, wherever he ends up being. Like you're probably going to need a like a guy like him or Jonah Monheim to be like the, the starter at one of those tackle spots or wherever. And you might need someone like that to, to really step up and just be completely solid and help Caleb Williams and the rest of the offense go. But oh, that's all I guess. What, what do you, who do you got? I went a little more deep tracks. I went with the tight end, Josh follow, you know, you Ooh. know, he's, de- he's dealt with a lot um, with injuries and, you know, being buried on the depth chart, but coming out of high school, people forget this guy was a, a freak pass catcher. This guy was so long. He is long, six foot six, can leap out of, out of the park. Um, you know, he flashed a lot in his freshman season, those first two years, then kind of fell off with injuries and such. You know, if this offense utilizes the tight end, if you could get a guy, a former stud like that coming out of high school, so much potential. I think, you know, this this is the shot for him to maybe, you know, kind of have that season we all kind of hoped he would when he came out of high school. Um, so that would be one of my picks for offense. And then for defense, I had Jamar Sakona, 
you know, USC needs help on the defensive line. He's a guy who could step up. He was a guy who was ready to step up last year. He got kind of set back uh, coming into fall camp with the uh, in summer with the, with the COVID hit. He had to take off some time and then kind of slowly had to get back into it. But, you know, he's a guy who can be a leader on that defense, guy we haven't really seen, you know, break out as much, even though last year I thought, you know, 2021 would be his year to break out. Um, so he's a guy I'm, I'm, I'm pegging to maybe, you know, make that leap under Coach uh, Sean Nua, you know, a guy that could that could really help them on the interior. I like it. I like that. Call. Yeah, I mean, you get a contribution from someone like Sakona. Like, that's that's great. Like, you're probably not expecting that. That's amazing, yeah. Uh, Patrick Figueroa asks, who's your pick for comeback player of the year, Max Williams or Brandon Peely? Tough question. Tough question, and I don't want to put anything – I don't want to sound like I'm going against any of these guys because they have put in a lot of work coming back from rehab, two really tough injuries with the Achilles for Peely and then obviously Max – with his second knee injury. But for me, it's Max Williams, just because he's a guy I would see every day at practice. He was out there doing his rehab. He was looking better than some guys that were practicing. You know, it didn't look like he was coming off a knee tear at times. You know, it looked like he was kind of coming back from an ankle injury or something. That guy put in so much work. He's been relentless with his rehab. He's He's been ahead of schedule, uh, which is just phenomenal. You know, he probably could have played last year at the end, but obviously... USC was so bad, you know, you you don't want to risk anything for a team that's not playing for anything. So, you know, there was a chance that he played last year. So I'm going to pick Max Williams. He made plays when he was in uh, two years ago. You know, I think he's a little bit underrated now in that nickel spot. There's going to be some competition there, but he's just a playmaker. Not putting anything against Peely, but Max is my pick. Yeah, I don't know if those are the only two choices, but I mean, and a guy like like Kyle Ford already came back, I guess. I don't yeah. know if you're talking about someone like that, but Peely, you could argue it's more of position of need, but you know, I yeah. guess, you know, according to Dante Williams, the, the whole secondary is gone. Um, but just watching, we've heard stuff about Peely, but we've seen, like Chris said, Max Williams. And it was the point where you like, you wouldn't have guessed he was injured at all. Um, and he's just one of those guys that's got grit and is going to work really hard. And I, he's someone that usually a new staff comes in and says, yeah, that's what I want, you know? So I would go with Max Williams as well. I feel like with the whole secondary being open, uh, him looking really strong last year, we've seen people sort of like, oh, they, they should be back by this point. And then they never really are even doing much work. And you're like, yeah, they're, the injury's not healing up the way you want it to. It looks like it has for him. So I, I would go with Williams as well. Uh, David Johnson asks, how is the defensive front seven shaping up? Uh, good. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> this was really hard without having, you know, seen a practice or anything. Yeah. Um, like we're not, they haven't done anything yet. Like what's... I would say, I would say they have like a, a, a really small base. But they they have a lot of holes. They have a lot of question marks. Like I don't know is Raylan Goforth going to make that jump? You know, is Rajon Davis and Julian Simon going to make those those jumps from freshman to to their sophomore years? Romello Height, you know, he is he comes out of Auburn, but you know he doesn't have a lot of experience. Can he man that edge rusher edge rusher spot? Um, Corey Foreman, Tuli, Nick Figueroa, those are your three bases at the defensive line. Brandon Peely, if they get anything out of him after last season, 
you know, that's a big win for them. You know, they lost Ismail Shopshire. They don't really have that answer in the middle of the defense, so a lot is on Peely. They really could use another interior guy. And then, you know, Shane Lee. A lot of people are putting stuff on Shane Lee. You know, if he if he lives up to what pe- the expectations, you know, that's going to upgrade that front a lot. Uh, but we still need to see him in action. The guy can lift a ton, but we want to see him in action. Yeah. So got got some got a base. Need a bigger base. Need need to fill some holes. So yeah, it's in the middle right now. Yeah, we saw on Julia Pupu if he's yeah. contributing, like all that stuff. But that's a better question for after like two weeks of spring ball, and you're like, oh. That's looking good, or that's not looking as good as I thought. But that's right now. Everything is just on paper, and there's just like Chris said, a lot of questions on some of those, some of those names. We're we're in the final stretch, Ryan. You got to take the next one. I'm out of spit. Okay. Uh, what position group do you think makes the biggest leap with the new coaching staff? That's from Nick. Um, hmm. So I think the offensive line performed better than what people thought. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I wouldn't go there because they were their stock was a little higher than even what people sort of was giving, um, you know, credit for. USC did give up a lot of big plays, but you know I think I'm going to go with the linebackers because I feel like there's a bunch of potential there. You're bringing in some guys, um, and I feel like that's just where. And I thought Todd Orlando because he was focusing on linebackers would sort of elevate that group, but they just weren't it wasn't an effective part of the defense like at all. So I'll go with the linebackers. I think there's going to be more upside there. Where, where do you think Chris? Linebacker was actually my guess too, or my pick. Uh, I liked what Brian Odom was saying in his press conference. Uh, he seemed to be saying this sort of between the lines, but he kind of knew that his linebackers were not that great last year and they need a lot of work. Um, obviously Shane Lee helps a lot, but you know, you need something out of, Raylan Goforth. You need him to make that jump. You need Rajon and Julian Simon to make those jumps as well. Um, a lot of question marks there. I wouldn't be shocked if they went into the portal to get another experienced guy. Um, so linebacker was my guess or my pick. Yeah. Backup, backup one would be tight ends just because I think that position has been underutilized for so long. I think they have a young star in Lake McCree. Um, so this offense utilizes the, the tight ends a lot. So I would say that position. No, I uh, think that's a great, that's a great pick as well. Just the, the ones that weren't where there's talent and they just weren't being utilized. I think you'd have to look at linebacker now, you know, in tight ends. So I think that's where you're going to see the biggest improvement. Um, YP wrote in said question for the pod. Can you share your opinion on uh, Henson and Nua when it comes to strength of recruiting? I've heard, the comment that Henson can develop a three-star with the best of them, which is great, but we need five stars. If there, uh, if there are any great recruiters, or if they're not, if they are not great recruiters, will the recru- recruiting staff shore up any deficiencies? Thanks from YP. Yeah. So Henson, yeah, I've made I've made that comment that he he can develop, but he also is regarded as a really good recruiter. You know, he he served as a recruiting coordinator, um, I believe it was for LSU. Uh, I, I I need to double check that, but I believe it's for LSU. And you don't make a bad recruiter your recruiting coordinator, you know? Not at LSU. They no. especially like they recruit. So you need someone who can recruit and you learn a lot in that position. So Henson can recruit. So I don't think you need to worry about it. He's in there. He's a grinder. He's gonna recruit offensive linemen. And Nua, you know, 
I think he's also, a, I would say he's like just slightly below Henson in terms of caliber. But I think they're both would be in that second tier of recruiting for the staff. Um, so he he's definitely learned a lot over the last, since he was at Michigan. And, and he definitely came on strong at the end as being a, 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 a better recruiter. I wouldn't say he's an elite recruiter. He's a really good recruiter. Um, you know, he's the guy who could bring in a four-star. He can compete for five stars, that kind of level. But they're not the level, you know, as, say, like a, a Dante Williams or a Dennis Simmons or a Lincoln Riley. I would put them in that tier below. Still a pretty good tier. They're good at they're, – they're good recruiters. So I, I don't think you guys should – or USC fans should be worried about their recruiting chops moving forward. Right. I feel like they're coming from the place of, oh – uh, they're Clancy Pendergast or something. They never like, no, no, no. this is not, that's no, not the way it's going to be going from now on. There's just, yeah. yeah, there's, there's great. And there's like really good. It's like, these people are in the really good category at least. Yeah. And Riley wouldn't have brought them on if they weren't recruiters. You know, this is a recruiting staff. That's what it's built for. If you're not going to recruit, get out of here. Goodbye. hundred percent. Yeah. So that, that should be a sign for you, for, 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 for you guys. If you know, they're on the staff. Probably wanted him because he likes the recruiting chops. Yeah. And then we're at the final stretch. The last few questions. These are non-USC questions, so you're gonna have a little bit of fun with these, Ryan. Okay. I'm excited to see what you're gonna what you're gonna say. My guy, Ho- Hokey Pokey, wants to know if you were a pizza, what topping would you be and why? Well, am I eating the pizza or I am the pizza? If you like- were a pizza, you are the pizza. Well, I'm not sure what my goal is here. Do I want to be the most just, just delicious, just delicious pizza, but then someone eats me? Or do I want to put anchovies on there so I sit in the box and nobody touches me? Everyone grabs the pepperoni. People like anchovies. Who, which people? Serial killers? I don't know. People, Who likes those things? People. Uh, Fishermen. Fisher, I, I'm a fisherman. Don't like anchovies. Uh, <laughs> we use them as bait. like, but they're, uh, So... I mean, I'm a meteor, meat eater as far the as meter. pizza stuff goes. Meter, meter yeah, okay. Meter yeah. pizza. Um, so, like, you know, the sort of meat lovers kind of stuff. If there's, like, I love uh, putting, you know, the, the pepperoni and sausage, but, like, meatballs, that kind of stuff. Um, maybe a little bacon splitted on there. I can put some mushrooms on there, too. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would probably be a meat lovers kind of thing. How about you? So, I... Probably leaning towards being a pepperoni, but that's also kind of boring and safe. So I think I'm going to go with one of my favorite pizza toppings, and that's jalapeno. Because I, because I am, you know, Mexican. A little spice, you know, mix it up a little bit. I like a little spicy jalapeno on my pizza, you know, a little crisp, a little bite. So I'd probably say jalapeno. like that. You know what? I'm going to do pepperoni and sausage because it's like that's sort of like my go-to. And I don't need to be too complicated where you just put like 50 meats on there. So I'll do pepperoni and sausage. Okay. And finally, Coach Still, uh, thank you for being patient. He got his question in uh, too late last week, so I wanted to throw it in here. It's going to end our show. Uh, two-parter. What animal would be way better in scales? And if you could be dropped into any cartoon, what cartoon would you want to be dropped into? Um, okay. I'm confused on the first part. What is What, what animal, animal would, would be better with scales like if you put scales on a gerbil is it better? Oh. like what's the coolest animal you could make or upgrade with scales let's see you know what um 
Hmm. What scales? It's tough. It's tough. I'm kind of thinking like maybe like an antelope or something because they seem pretty cool, but they just get eaten a lot, right? So maybe they need a little more defensive, uh, you know, little So you're, little you're armor. doing it. You're doing it purely to help out the antelope. I'm going to try to help out the antelope. Yeah, I think because like they run away, they try to get away, but the cheetah or whatever gets them. Um, but if they had scales on, then they, they could probably that initial swipe that like sort of takes them out. Like maybe they can like fight that off and then run away and live to uh, go sip at a stream another day. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. I didn't expect you to say antelope. I'm going to be completely real with you. <laughs> that one kind of came out of nowhere. I can't think of one. I don't know. I was yeah. like, what could we help? I would, I would probably say rhino. Oh, that Even seems though, like overkill. Yeah, but it'd be tight though. They would probably look badass, but like they're already tough. Like I don't know if they need, do they need scales? You know, like, like, my, like does a shark friend, need laser beams coming out of his eyes? Like he's already pretty badass. Like you don't need to add to the badassness. Freaking laser beams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I probably say rhino. Or maybe a shark. Or maybe a shark. I can't decide. So you're you're going with the tough, and you're going to make it. Yeah, I'm going for the coolest animal that I could possibly make. That's where okay. I was going. You were helping them out. I'm going strictly cool. Uh, what about like those a, a giraffe? Like there'd be a lot of scales up that neck. Like it'd yeah. be kind of. It'd be kind of hard to bend and stuff. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if okay. we're helping out that. I don't know if we're helping that giraffe. And then dropped into a cartoon. Um. I was a really big Simpsons fan growing up, so I think I'd be like to be Simpsons-fied. Like my, like my AIM handle was Homer Homeboy Fifty Two. Yes. The Simpsons. So I probably choose the Simpsons. <sighs> Simpsons is like my all-time just favorite. Yeah, um, I mean, we had a crusty drop earlier, so. I did have a crusty drop from that. Um, I love it, but I do love a lot of like the the doll cartoons that my friends say. Um, like to be in like a Rick and Morty would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a great uh, choice. That would be, but like, I love Archer. Like you might die in that one, but like, uh, you know, Bob's Burgers would be kind of boring, but I think Archer, there'd be some kind of excitement there. Um, I don't know about South Park. Like I like South Park, but I don't know if I'd want to be in there. Like, I think I would be in the Simpsons world. The Rick and Morty one, it's probably kind of dangerous, but that would be kind of fun. And, and probably Archer. I think those are the three I would go with right now. I would love to create, this is a total offshoot, but I would love to create uh, like a uscfootball.com archer series. Oh, okay. That's, I cannot do that. I have no skill to do that, but it'd be fun <laughs> if someone made like a, like us archerified. Uh, okay. Like an episode of us covering a game. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm sure there's some artists out there that listen to yeah, the show. No, no can... one's going to do that. No one's going to do that. <laughs> No one's gonna do that. You never know. You never know. No, I know. No one's going to do that. <laughs> All right. Holy cow. We were like an hour and a half. That's a lot. Heck, heck yeah. We had like one topic and the rest were questions. Um, well, I guess we had some other stuff too, but. People have questions. It was a lot. Uh, All right. Well, that was good stuff. Uh, Chris, thanks again for. Uh, for coming on. We'll get this going. We're going to get some tunnel vision stuff going back again. Chris wants to be a huge part of that, I'm told. So that's great. Check your sources on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any? 
I, Keely always asks any final thoughts. Anything you want to add before we like sign off? I'm out of spit. I need water. Um, that's all I got. Another yeah. great, another fun show. Thanks for having me on. I mean, I'm going to be on a lot more. So, yeah. Well, good stuff. And uh, hopefully, you guys got to check out Shotguns Heard on the Sideline podcast too. Um, he had Drew Peterson on, the star of the USC UCLA game. So he's going to be doing some of that stuff. Uh, look for Chris, maybe doing some recruiting podcast stuff. Uh, so there'll be more and stuff coming on this feed. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But for, for, for Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning into the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.